I'm a dreamer. And I've been a dreamer for a very long time. I guess very fortunate to have had that ability or that opportunity to, to dream as a young girl. Bonjour, Anine. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lam Miigwech, for joining us. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week, we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. There's this great mix of passions, of gifts, and we talk about those those passions, those gifts, and how each person shares their gifts with their community. And it all centers around purpose in our lives, another day, another chat, another opportunity to amplify Native voices. How's it going, Cole? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I was, uh, I just got my jury summons in the mail. Oh, wow. I had to dodge that for this time around because it was scheduled for when we were out in Pittsburgh on vacation this summer. Mm. So I had to postpone my my jury duty. But, you know, here's the thing. I want to do jury duty. I think it's an important part, important responsibility of being a citizen. And, you know, kind of interested. I'm really curious about it. So hopefully I can participate. But I did have to postpone it is. It does make me nervous, though, when I get the the letter in the mail from the county. Oh yeah, no definitely. <laughs> I have yet to do jury duty, but I've certainly covered a lot of trials where jury selection is a big thing. And I'm curious if they, you know, say we we don't need your services, Leah, for this trial. Will you be <laughs> Will you be uh, offended? Because sometimes they don't give any reasons. They're just like you know. We don't need you on the trial. I okay. Here's my experience last year from being some. Oh yes, well, here we go. Was I went and they have a lot of people show up for jury duty, and even though they don't need that many people, so already not everybody's getting picked. So there was like a whole day of waiting around, kind of getting cycled through into the courtroom. Uh, There was an initial jury panel that was selected. I was not in it, but I was sitting in the room with them. And yeah, they were asked a bunch of questions. And then, um, yeah, people were picked. And I just witnessed it, apparently. (laughs) I and several other uh, potential jurors, but... Yeah, I didn't get to didn't get to sit officially on a jury. So wait, so you didn't yeah. even get to the questioning part? You were just watching nope. it? Yeah, I was <laughs> I was in the overflow seating. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> but Damn. it is kind of exciting. It's like I yeah. got to experience it without being put on the spot. <laughs> sure. And with that, I'm gonna try to transition to today's episode. Uh, we are continuing our conversation surrounding the Truth Project, uh, which critically examined the impact of the University of Minnesota on Indigenous people in the state. Uh, the report has been, the report has since been released, and the, there's a lot to dive into, reflect on, and learn from. Last week, we uh, heard from Truth Project coordinator Misty Blue. Great conversation. Uh, she talked about doing the research in a good way. 
uh, next steps in the healing process, uh, what inspired her to do the work she does and more. Um, so if you hadn't listened to that, check it out. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good uh, stuff in there. Um, but this week, uh, I'm very excited to speak with our guest, Adriana Goodwin. Adriana, who is a Red Lake Nation citizen, is part of the core research team for the Truth Project, where she has been appointed Tribal Research Fellow for Red Lake Nation. Uh, she recently completed her Master's in Public Policy from the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. Um, so we just can't wait to get her perspective on the Truth Project, what inspired her to get into this, and much more. Um, so here she is. Boujou, Adriana. Adriana Goodwin, Indigenous, Washkubanesiquin, Indigo, Mayangan, Indudem, Misquagami, Wizagai, Gunning, Indun, Jaba. Greetings, relatives. My colonized name is Adriana Goodwin, and I am joining um, today from St. Paul. How are you doing? How's the family doing? Well, it's been um, a pretty uh, hectic, tiring, yet very rewarding week um, for us as, you know, we're coming into the a week after our release of the truth report. And so, um, yeah, just trying to stay up to date, trying to stay on top of busy schedules. And then, um, yeah, as far as my broader family life, um, we uh, are really excited and happy that the maple trees are flowing back home in Bemidji. Um, so I'm looking forward to going home this weekend to boiling some of that sap down and getting some syrup and sugar. Um, and, um, I have two boys and so they're constantly on the go, want to go to the skate park. They want to, uh, just do everything. And then especially as it's warming up. So just trying to stay on top of everything. I'm up in Grand Rapids and I heard that the sap is really going right now. Like now is the time. So excellent. And Adriana, what is on the top of your mind these days? I know you, you said you're in a busy time, a lot of reactions to the Truth Project, which is wonderful. Is there anything that's standing out for you that you want to let us know about? I guess for me is that it kind of finally feels feels like our stories and our voices are being heard more broadly. And I think that, you know, we've been building up to this moment as Indigenous peoples um, for a while now. You know, we have all of the great exposure on reservation dogs, on other shows like Yellowstone, um, and even like other series like Dexter. They're all kind of talking about Indigenous issues. And so, you know, we are starting to be seen more within the media. And so it's really creating space now um, for us to talk about some of those hard topics, some of those topics that have been, as we know, intentionally left out of the conversation. I feel really good about that, about being in this moment um, where, you know, our collective voices, our collective stories are, are being heard. And beyond that, you know, sometimes it's still overwhelming with emotion. Because although this is a joyous moment, our communities are still in a lot of despair. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Adriana Goodwin, a member of the core research team for the Truth Project, where she's been appointed Tribal Research Fellow for Red Lake Nation. 
Do you want to jump into the Truth Project, Adriana? How is the, what are the main points of the Truth Project that you want to make sure to highlight? Well, I guess I want to start off by answering that question. Um, you know, recognizing that, you know, we as a people feel that, that intergenerational trauma, you know, the stories of, of sadness, but what the truth report does and the findings within that report is it's detailing the intricacies of the violence we experienced. It's starting to document um, through the policies that the University of Minnesota enacted to um, dispossess our land, to um, erase us from the history books, to revise the narratives of what happened here and how um, those things have now transpired into you know, some of those socio disparities that we experience as a people today, you know, those sad stories that that I've already mentioned. And so those are some of the 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 larger findings, but each tribal report um, is taking on kind of a different story. And so, for instance, um, the report done by Leech Lake member citizen Lori Harper, she talks about the dams. And how when the dams were placed uh, in our rivers systems, how that dramatically changed the food systems and how it disrupted families' abilities to, to harvest in a way that we've been doing for generations, for centuries, um, for a very long time. And another report um, that was written by me and my capacity at um, as a tribal research fellow appointed by the Red Lake Nation, um, I looked more in depth into the medical research that the University of Minnesota conducted on young children um, during the 1960s. You know, the findings that we drew from that specific report is that we can't conclusively say that consent was given by the parents for them to receive the kidney biopsies. Um, there's also issues around uh, the fact that they chose to treat or chose to study um, our young children instead of treating the disease. And so there's all of these different reports within the broader truth project that are focusing on different um, pieces of history throughout time. Um, and again, the University of Minnesota kind of being central you know, to a lot of wrongdoings and to a lot of disparities that we experience today. Well, I, I know, like, I got chills hearing about the medical testing on children. Even as such, I'm going to ask, can you elaborate just a little bit on what that was so we can hear the gravity of it? In 1953 is when our community at Red Lake experienced its first outbreak of acute glomerulonephritis. Acute glomerulonephritis is a disease of the kidneys that's caused by a, a streptococci infection. So um, an infection of the skin and in, and, in the and in the throat. And so if left untreated, um, this infection progresses to a kidney disease. And so in 1953, um, the outbreak 
happened in the later months of the summer and a child the age of two had died from this disease. Um, At that time, researchers had given a mass prophylaxis of penicillin to the entire community. However, at this time, um, you know, the disease was already kind of on its tailor end. But still, researchers um, felt that, you know, giving a, a, a mass injection of penicillin would help stop the disease. And so that's what researchers had found um, in 1953. And then 10 years later, we came across um, some correspondence from the University of Minnesota and the medical school about wanting to go back to the reservation to conduct um, some follow-up research. And so 10 years later, um, they, they, they did their first round of follow-up research And then in 1966 is when we kind of started coming across some meeting minutes that researchers from the University of Minnesota Medical School um, had intended to come to Red Lake to conduct kidney biopsies on young children, that they were going to do a research study um, on the young children to see um, kind of the effects or um, lingering effects from the first outbreak. And that's when in um, 1966, the summer of 1966, that there so happened to be a second outbreak of acute glomerulonephritis. And so then it pro- provided the University of Minnesota researchers um, an opportunity to, to study the disease instead of treat the disease. Um, and they conducted several kidney biopsies. Again, um, consent isn't clear still to this day. Um, And our children were transported from the reservation to the Twin Cities. Um, Some kind of uh, symptoms that uh, children were experiencing were uh, painful lesions on um, various parts of their body. They had experienced facial swelling. They had experienced elevated blood pressure. Um, And those kids that had tested positive for acute glomerulonephritis they were not treated for any of the symptoms that they had experienced. Um, so it's really interesting to see that the researchers had opted to include these children that had tested positive for acute glomerulonephritis instead of treating the disease. And I was able to interview a survivor from the epidemic of 1953. And she went on um, to have you know, health complications throughout her life. It is known through the statistics that we as uh, American Indian people here in Minnesota, we have some of the highest rates of, uh, you know, uh, kidney failure. We have some of the highest rates of diabetes um, and we still are um, experiencing some of those kind of, um, you know, skin symptoms, even still today in our community at Red Lake, um, like with Empatigo and um, those kinds of things. And it was really hard to um, see images, you know, from that first outbreak in some of these medical journals and just the way in which that they had, you know, had this child posing for this image was just like really cringy and just didn't feel good. You know, when you consider that a baby died um, and why didn't researchers consider that when the second outbreak um, happened? You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine.
Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Adriana Goodwin, member of the core research team for the Truth Project, where she has been appointed Tribal Research Fellow for Red Lake Nation. Can you talk about how your uh, your role at the Truth Project evolved? Because you you weren't always the Tribal Research Fellow. You were something before that. I'm just kind of, could you make that, uh, could you clarify that a little bit? So I've been you know, kind of organizing back home in the Bemidji community for several years now. And so I actually had a position in the tribal secretary's office at the Red Lake Nation around the same time or at the same time that we had um, started the process of, you know, removing blood quantum. So I had kind of already had a relationship then with the Red Lake Nation, um, being a citizen and then my capacity as organizing. Uh, and then I got into um, the graduate program at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. And that kind of just happened like a whirlwind. And when I first was accepted and when I started in fall of 2020 is when, you know, the Truth Project uh, was already kind of starting to come to fruition. Tad Johnson had already had some interns working underneath him, kind of starting to lay the groundwork um, for what was to come. And so then that's when I had um, got brought onto the project my uh, second year in my graduate program. Um, I had agreed because they had been asking um, if I'd like to be uh, a research assistant on the program because there's so few um, Native American students at the Humphrey School. I think there was only three of us and all three of us worked on the project. And so that's kind of how I got brought in. And then, you know, through... Um, you know, the positionality and through like my connections with, you know, different tribes and those kinds of things um, is then when uh, the Red Lake Nation appointed me as the tribal research fellow uh, for for Red Lake. Well, why don't we take the opportunity then to pivot a little bit to you, Adriana, as a person, as a researcher, how did you get into research? What What motivated you to pursue that? Well, so um, I'm a dreamer and I've been a dreamer for a very long time. I guess very fortunate um, to have had that ability or that opportunity to to dream as a young girl. Um, And I've always been a bookworm. So reading books was always something that I love to do. And I um, would read book after book after book. And um, that's kind of when I started to kind of dream about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And, um, very early on is kind of when I started to publicly speak. I was a, a dancer. So I was a fancy shawl dancer growing up and my mom would take us all over powwows, you know, uh, battle point, um, you know, the white earth powwow, a lot of the traditional powwows that we have up North and, um, and so then we would have to do speeches, like if we wanted to run for royalty and princess. And so I was just like a little bitty girl. And um, I guess, you know, getting a getting a taste of that as as a young girl and also that combined, you know, with dreaming of 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 this moment or of going to a really good school and um, of doing this thing kind of uh, progressed. And I, and I guess I've always kind of. 
um, been involved and been passionate about changing policy and about um, doing all of that. And I actually started um, at the Leech Lake Tribal College. And so um, I'm a graduate of the Leech Lake Tribal College. I'm a third generation um, graduate from there. Uh, my grandma Lois is actually the oldest graduate. Um, still to this to this day, she was, I think, 82 or 84. Um, and so I guess I just always have um, had that inspiration or, or, or had, you know, my mom and my, my grandma's to look up to um, on getting my education. And then as I got older, I started to, you know, realize more that um, we need to be able to understand how Western civilization operates. We need to be able to understand the kind of words that they use um, the, the, uh, and those kinds of things. And so I just kept I just kept going to school, just kept going to school and going to school. And um, my little baby, my oldest son, Sean, he came to school with me at the Leech Lake Tribal College um, when I was a student at Bemidji State University. My other baby came along and he also came to school with me. Um, so that's also a part of it, too, is just like being grounded in family and um and just loving what i do and just you know loving my community loving my people um and also just recognizing um you know those gifts that creator gifted me and wanting to encourage other people to tap into the, their gifts that creator gifted them and you know through sharing our gifts um with one another you know we can accomplish so much uh so many great big beautiful things and i think that um, all of us that contributed to the truth project, you know, shared a piece of our gifts with the world. Um, and so just like being grounded in who we are as Anishinaabe people, you know, that love that I have for my community, my family, my people, and, and even myself, um, and just really wanting to, to do things in a good way and to, um, reclaim who we are as Anishinaabe people and um to to heal um from all of the traumas that that we've that we have experienced and um yeah so I guess that's kind of why I do what I do is because I just I just love our people. Something that popped into my mind uh is just what's it like working in the archives down in the archives like I kind of envision like kind of you know, Dusty secluded. scrolls. Yeah, like your Gandalf <laughs> opening up the scroll and blowing all the, the dust away. The basement of Minas Tirith. <laughs> How's that process like? Does it get lonely down there? Or is it like, like what's it like? Well, what we've learned from working at the you know University of Minnesota Archives is that you really never know what you're going to find. So you could find um, a document that is talking about uh, the University of Minnesota's involvement in the relocation of families during the relocation era during the 50s and the 60s. Now, what we know today um, about how when they relocated our families to the urban area, they came here and they had no support no support in social services. Oftentimes, our women were exploited, our women were targeted. Um, and it wasn't, um, you know, what the United States government had made it out to be. 
Um, and so then you kind of like have to stop and, you know, take a moment because you start to like think of those connections when you see something from the 1960s, you know, it, it didn't just stop there. No, like it had a ripple effect into the future. So some days it's it's sad. And then other days when I'm looking at, say, Red Lake specific history, you know, you can't come across something and it's like, man, I just want to share with the world or, you know, I just want to share with the family. I want to, um, you know, let the family know that that I came across this information. And um, so it, it it's again, it's just kind of like an up and down. You never really know what to expect. And I think that, I mean, I love the archives. I love to read. And I think it's just about finding something you're passionate for um, and just wanting to encourage people to, you know, find your passion, have a dream. And if that is to be in the archives, um, encourage you to do that. Well, I, I believe we also asked Misty this, but you know, dealing with uh, this, you know, emotional research, like how do you how do you stay grounded? I know you mentioned going sapping and stuff like that. Uh, how do you stay grounded? Well, I like to put a little cedar in my shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, um, yeah, a lot of smudging. Uh, like to smudge every time that you know I'm leaving the archives. Um, a lot of prayers, a lot of tears. Um, I, I said this in a meeting with Anne and Misty uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago before the report came out, because it was just really um, an emotional time because the University of Minnesota had released their report on the medical research ahead of the truth report. And so it was just like really emotional um, for me to have spent all of that time, you know, thousands of hours working with this these materials to have felt like I we got shafted at Red Lake Nation. Today, you know, it, it feels different um, because our report and our findings are are finally being highlighted and recognized in the way that they deserve. So as uh, people, you know, we have that fire inside of us. Our title, our report title is Oshkigen uh, Nujimowiwe, which, which roughly translates to the spirit that renews through fire heals the people. And so like some days I'm feeling more fire, more passionate, but other days, like I feel that water more. And so those emotions kind of just like come through. And I guess I just, you know, remember, you know, the love that my family has for me, the love that my ancestors have for me um, and those things um, keep me going. And just the hope that um, our people can heal and that that society hears our stories and values us. Um, for everything that we have given and continue to give and just have hope that we all can have Minobimidiziwin, that good life. Adriana, a dreamer. Mm-hmm. And, and turning the word research from an uncomfortable word, from a word that causes you think of distrust yeah but really bringing in indigenous values ojibwe values into the work it makes research feel good yeah but i'm glad to see that research in a positive light so thank you to adriana goodwin 
member of the core research team for the Truth Project, where she is the appointed tribal research fellow for Red Lake Nation. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giggawamamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.